Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hello, this is the H&J Daily. Uh, Max in for Paul today. Andy Jacobs, keeping the ship steady. What a, I thought you were tremendous today, Andy. Well, thank you very much, I, Max. I, I thought you were good. I'm very my best. forward to tomorrow when... You're in charge. Yeah, I'm in charge tomorrow. Um, but the Saturday show obviously doesn't have a podcast. It's not important enough, so you'll have to listen to that live. Meanwhile, uh, we had a conversation which we enjoyed. Um, yes. that we talked about a fish thrown at a footballer for quite a long time before realising that perhaps it wasn't a fish. and uh, Which was eventually proven. It was proven. Um, and what else? James Purefoy, actor, Yeovil fan, came on and he was very good. And considering we didn't really know much about the film and we didn't have a long time to prep, it was good that he was enthusiastic <laughs> yeah. and a professional. Yes. And he told uh, us all of the, everything that's in he, the film. <laughs> yes, he told us the entire plot line <laughs> and what, the culmination of the film, so you don't need to watch and it. And Mike Ward with the best of the non-sport. On Tally. TV. Marvellous. So that's the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon. I need to pull. Good afternoon, Max. Okay. And uh, I nearly grabbed Sam Matterface's bag by mistake. It's very similar to mine. Okay. And I sort of grabbed it and took it into the studio. He said, what are you doing? So I said, oh, no, that's your bag. My bag's already in here. Which reminded me of the time, yes. talking of Mark Saggers, mm-hmm. when I actually took his briefcase home, oh. all the way home. It wasn't even anything like my bag. <laughs> I'm sitting on the train, just pulling into the I thought... That's not my case, is it? What have I done that for? What, what was in? Was there anything interesting in Mark Sager's bag? A megaphone. He likes to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't look inside, to be really honest. Oh, that's a real mistake, mm. isn't well, it? Well, I should have examined his yeah, bag, have really. Have you ever looked uh, inside <laughs> Mark Sager's briefcase? <laughs> I think more, have you ever taken somebody's bag home? Not, do you want to do that, that as a text well, film? Have you ever I'm taken someone's bag home? I'm not the only home. person to do that. Um, uh, Paul, the QPR fan says, Max Rush, in for Max Rushton, yeah, well, that's, the sort of, that's a meta, but that's where talks will eventually end up. Well, I'm much less now I live in Australia. Doesn't excited about Jules Koundé then, Andy? <laughs> excited about him joining Barcelona. I'm so sick of Barcelona. It's like a personal vendetta. That four players People, now. Joanne Laporte chosen... said, "I just want to. I want <laughs> Andy Jacobs isn't angry enough about things. I really want to irk him." This pre- this close ridiculous season. club. They want Bernardo Silva now with another seventy-five million pounds they found down the back of Joan Laporta's sofa. <laughs> Honestly, ridiculous, ridiculous team that are going to get away. There's a brilliant piece by Jonathan Liu in the Guardian this week about how Barcelona almost have to do this right to maintain the mystique of the club and the whole thing of it. But it's ridiculous. But I buy into that romance. I buy into there's something about the Barcelona kit mm. that makes me, and just everything about it that makes well, me think they, they sort of should be allowed to, they, are, but, you know. they can do it differently. They don't have to follow the mm. rules because it's Barcelona. It's just the Barcelona mm. way. So you think, I don't think, well, uh, going by as far as Talk Sport understands, right, that, that mm. Jules Koundé will be a Chelsea player. 
Yeah. I've been told. I'm hearing my sources are telling me. Are they? Yeah. My sources, who are Alex Crook, just listen to him. My sources are <laughs> telling me sources, that right. I understand. Yeah. That, it's uh, funny that you should mention that because yeah. it's, uh, I'm very excited about my new counselling service for men. TalkSport <laughs> understands. I get them in and I just, you know, they tell me all their problems. It's good. Uh, very sad news about the great Uwe Zeller. Mm. What a wonderful player he was. And uh, it's a shame. Oh, we, one time we would have got Brian Glanville to talk about him in a very sort of flowery, erudite, way. erudite yeah. way but sadly no more but he was a brilliant player of course in 1970 he hurt us badly but he's not related to the star of the 2010 World Cup Vuvu Zela <laughs> <Tremendous>. wonderful stuff <laughs> thank you uh, we've got three more hours of this <laughs> there's not a lot of content in the show it doesn't matter does it do you want to launch the question have you ever thrown a fish yeah go on then. Yeah, this is um, I was in the papers and last been doing the rounds the last couple of days on social media but a footballer mm. was stretched off after being hit in the face by a fish thrown from the crowd which is of course some there's scenes you don't want to see we can't support the throwing of any yeah. sea, sea animal fish in Buenos Aires I was thinking about this because right. it's mostly meat it is quite staky place it's a very it? staky place yeah. <laughs> so, so you're uh, much more likely to get hit with a ribeye than you are <laughs> to be worse would it make more sense yeah. really than a fish it's true, and it's steak quite cheap over there. You could actually throw a fillet steak and you wouldn't be bankrupting well, yourself. cheap there at the moment. They've got about 50% inflation. Is that right? Mm. I wasn't aware of the inflation in no, Argentina. It's ridiculous. I do, do apologise. Anyway, this is uh, Leandro mm. Fernandez, who plays for Argentinian team Independiente, fell over after a rival fan lobbed the fish at him during a clash against Racing Club. Uh, Rathing, I think. Rathing. If you Rathing. want to be really well, Tim Vickery. Actually, the C in... in Sort of South American Spanish is a is not a th, is it? Uh, they're known as a rathing. <laughs> okay, I just wanted I mean, to be a pedo. You can. What do you know about Argentinian football, anyway, mate? <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know anything about it either. <laughs> <laughs> he rejoined the match after treatment. We don't have details of what type of fish it was. Um, what are they treating with tartar sauce, <laughs> <laughs> vinegar, and a lemon? <laughs> Squeezed a lemon on him. Uh, one fan said on social media, "I mean, that's crazy disrespectful, but I can't help but laugh." So we were wondering what the right question would yeah, be. These two teams hate each other. It's right. worse than Boca and River. They hate each other. Um, so the question I would like to ask is: Have you mm. ever thrown a fish? And you wanted to you wanted to ask a sort of more mealy mouth question about rivalries, didn't you? Really, which might have more traction. Yes, than, I don't know how many of our listeners have thrown a fish, and you know, <laughs> but I suspect some will have done. And, well, if you're um, a fishmonger, you probably you know. <laughs> what percentage of counter what, to the other? What, what percentage of the talks <laughs> audience? Show is very popular with fishmongers. Is it? Is it? It is. Are we big in Billingsgate Market? <laughs> very much. Are, okay. So. Are you a fishmonger? <laughs> I'd like to know the percentage of fish. I was doing the New Year's Day show with Tony Cascarino oh, a couple of years ago, I imagine. Yeah. It's six o'clock in the morning on New Year's Day. Who's, who's awake now? You got all the best yeah. gigs that you know really went to did. Australia. Really did. I was, like, I was like, six o'clock in the morning. I was like, it is January the 1st and it's six in the morning. So let's be honest, who is listening to this? And it turns out that a lot of cattle farmers um, are... So actually, the first hour of breakfast, there are more cows than humans really? listening I to the radio station. That. So we gave it more of a bovine feel at 6am. Like bovine. <laughs> like bovine. <laughs> we could really smash the radars there for the six till seven. It's just an idea for breakfast. They can take it with us. So are you a, are you a fishmonger? Um, and have you ever thrown a fish? Bob says, I was once at Dublin Zoo and the zookeepers were throwing fish to the seals. Oh, that's Dead, true. dead fish. They were throwing them <laughs> close. So was the one that was thrown in yes. Argentina. Wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a living fish. <laughs> they were throwing them very close to the crowd, so the seals would go over to the crowd and mm. there was some interaction. One of the keepers launched one too far and got my old man right in the chops. Great day, <laughs> he says. It would have been good if his old man was seal. <laughs> it would have been a singer. Is your singer? <laughs> 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 have you ever thrown a fish at sea? <laughs> One of his concerts. I ate Kiss for a Rose. <laughs> Sing the Adamski stuff. Whoa. Here's a turbot. Bang. There you go. So that's the text topic we've got. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Andy? Or, I mean, do you want to save your goal? Well, I want to know. I just want to mention while we're talking about food, the 625 at Chester today right. is the Tomahawk Steakhouse Handicap. Right. I was thinking, I'm not sure I'd sponsor a horse race if I sold steaks. Unless it was in France. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are we going to do on this programme? Yes. We've got lots of things, aren't there? There's some content. Horse. 
Have I, I ever eaten a horse? I was in France once, and, right. it, and I ordered it by mistake. I thought it was steak, and then I realised that it was cheveux. Was it the mane? When it came when it came on the plate, what was it, the teeth or the mane? What did you spot? It, was, it looked like a steak. And how did it taste? Not bad. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, you're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs. Max Rushton in for Paul today, Andy Jacobs alongside me. Very pleased to say we can welcome to the studio the actor and Yeovil aficionado. <laughs> Expert, <laughs> so I've heard. Expert, James Purefoy. <laughs> Into the studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's uh, publicising his new movie, Fisherman's Friends, oh. one and all. Nice to see you, James. How are you doing? I'm, I'm really good. I am really good today. I've uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm having a good day. I'm, I I don't get to town much because uh, I live down in Somerset. It's great. There's a lot of people in London, isn't there? <laughs> there are. There are. <laughs> I live in Australia now, and I'm only here for a couple of months. And I and everyone's nice in Australia. Probably a bit like Somerset, and people stop you and say, "Oh, you know, yeah, how are you?" And they're the not street. a psychopath. They're just yes. saying, "How are you?" I live in Chiswick, and it's hateful. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got back with the pram, it's and the f- literally the first person just bumped into the pram <laughs> and just went, "Oh." Oh, F off. Like, welcome no. back to London. And no. you're like, yeah. you go, hello, welcome. Yeah, but you kind of miss that grit. Do you miss I the do, grit? I do a little bit miss the grit. Yeah. I, I, I kind of enjoy it when I'm here, but boy, doesn't it? It shakes off my shoulders when I get, go back to the southwest and I get back in the garden. I go, oh, phew. And you are Somerset born and bred. I was just I checking. You were on a, a list of 29 people you didn't know were born in Somerset. <laughs> <laughs> That's research. Who are the other 28? That's fascinating. That's a very good question. I'm yet to click that link. I'll, I'll do it while we talk. I will look it up. Um, tell us about the movie then. So, where are we? Where are we? We're on Fisherman's Friends 1 and All. This mm. is the sequel to, uh, is it, I don't know, much, is it hugely anticipated a sequel? I, I hope so. Um, we so have we, talked of nothing else on Talks for no, nothing. the last two, for years. two years. Yeah. Nothing. When's the next one coming? When's the next one? So, we made this film, and it, again, I think people were quite surprised how successful it was. And it, uh, the, when the original one came out, um, it came out at an interesting time, which was, I think we were just exiting the EU. And there seemed to be a sort of slightly fractious, polarised feeling in the country. You know, I think a lot of people are rowed about it and somebody had fallen out and, you know, members of family weren't talking to each other anymore. And, you know, if you took a view on it, people were pretty passionate one way or the other. And uh, we came out and it was a film about community and friends and family and support and care and love and kindness and... I think it sort of acted as a sort of over that little pit of the summer as a bit of a balm and maybe a slight comfort. It's still the blanket. same. So the new film should do the same. <laughs> did you bring the country well, together? You, well, I think we we saw. It. I mean, it was enormously popular, and it, I felt to me like it was it was being seen by people who didn't really go to the cinema very much. And when I was being stopped outside Little or you know or the, you know outside the, you know, the supermarkets in Krukern. Uh, they, it felt like they weren't cinema-going people very much, and I think that was part of the success of it. It was dragging, getting people in, because you know it's set in the West Country. So obviously, you know, if you're in the West Country, you want to go and see a film that's set in the West Country. It's got the voices, it's got the the tone, the sound of people like you in it. So I think it was particularly popular down there. And um, and also, you know, amongst fishing communities, we're an island nation, and we've got fishing communities all around this country. So, I know people know about sea shanties. I mean, I remember we went to do the re- first rehearsal, obviously in the pub, uh, obviously because where else are you going to do it? Uh, and uh, we have a bit of a lock in, and we sang, the, and the, we started singing um, "Drunken Sailor." I knew all the words. I'd never learned all the words, but I knew all the words. I think I'm sure if we would have a round of it now, you. Oh probably, come on! Let's no, no, it. let's not. Let's not. But if we were to, I'll bet you go. Oh my God! How did I know the words? Second that? verse. They were after early in the morning. I think I'm struggling. Andy, you got it. I don't even know the first line. Yeah, of course you do. You I would do. I definitely do. If I, I started singing it, you you go okay. for it. Um, anyway, I'll put it on Spotify later. Anyway, it's uh, and I think it's in slightly in our DNA. As an island nation and as a seafaring nation, you know, we're not that nowhere is too far from the sea in this country. So I think it's sort of in us some way and people like singing them. They're repetitive, they, you know, it's a lead and repeat songs. You know, they're easy to pick up, they're easy to learn. Uh, my kids, you know, my, I know, obviously, I'm in the film, so that helps <laughs> them enjoy it. But they will listen endlessly. I've got two five-year-old twins, that's their go-to album in the car. 
Yeah. Because they can just sing, drivel on uh, endlessly. I mean, we were one of the songs um, that's been released. So we have Imelda May in the new film, which is an amazing singer. She's re- re-released um, "Hi Ho Silver Lining," which is in the film. So she's done a new recording of that. You get that on your radio in the car or on the, you know on Spotify in the car. Get the kids in the back. Fantastic. Hmm. Uh, you know they will sing along to that endlessly. So I think that there is there are lots of popular things. You know Cornwall itself lots of us go on holiday to Cornwall last couple of years thousands of us have gone on holiday to Cornwall people weren't going away so where are we going to go in the country where the hell where are we going to go on holiday well, let's go down to Cornwall Cornwall was rammed last year um, so I think that there is there's um, I think I think there, there, there's a lot of popular things in the film that bring that bring people to them and that's why they enjoy it you mentioned Imelda May there. It's a very good cast, including Dave Johns, who's... Yes, incredible, inestimable. He? He, well, he's brilliant, because I, I know him as a stand-up. I saw him in Edinburgh yes. with his acting debut, and he's really gone on to be a fine actor, hasn't he? He is a fine actor. You know, I, I, yeah, believe me, doesn't he let us doesn't he let us know it? Because <laughs> he's won more awards than the rest of us put together. <laughs> he loves reminding us of that all the time. Uh, and justifiably so. I mean, I, I tease, but he, uh, yeah, he's a fabulous actor. I, Daniel Blake, was an amazing film, and he deserved all the all the plaudits he got for that he was brilliant and yeah Imelda's great I mean the film so let me just tell you a little bit about the film so the film so Jim my character in the film he's kind of been given promotion to leading man status uh, which is not something he himself is comfortable with he is a lobster fisherman and he does not and he's the lead singer of the band and he feels that the band are kind of getting out of control and they love it and a bit fame hungry and they're enjoying themselves too much and uh, and he's snapping at people and he's angry and he's hitting the bottle a little bit but actually what's going on is that he's not dealing with the death of his father which happened in the first film and he's bottled that up and everything is coming out sideways you know, that's the way that if you're not really dealing with something, mm-hmm. you can find yourself snapping at somebody and mm-hmm. because, because you're not dealing with the emotional thing that's happened. And men, come on, guys, we all know this to be true, a lot of blokes find it difficult to talk about things like that. You know, and it's not because we're... It's, and it's not a, the, the fact that we are biologically men. It's the social construct around that, isn't it? It's the fact that, you know, from the tiniest when you're a little lad... You know, somebody says, don't cry, you know, don't behave like a girl or, you know, man up or Mm. do all these things. And what they're saying is shut up, keep your emotions to yourself, don't talk about them. Do you get the sense, I get the feeling that men are getting better. Oh, yeah. You know, in the last few years, there's been sort of dramatic change. Absolutely, there has been a dramatic change, but those numbers are not going Mm. down in a way that they should be going down. And it is to do with the social construct. We've got to get away from it. You know, we've got to be able to pick up the phone you know, talk to a helpline, talk to mind, talk to the Samaritans. If you're that far advanced, talk to a friend, talk to your dad, talk to your mum, talk to a mate, talk to your girlfriend, whatever it is, let it out. Does this you film know? address those kind of well, issues? Pro- you know, there's nothing truer than a problem shared, problem halved. It, it really isn't. And it's not that hard. And boy, come on, when we've all done it, we all go, oh, Goodness, that was good. Get off my chest. That was a good thing to do. So that's that's in the middle of the film, and he meets he meets the and so Imelda plays a rock star in the movie, uh, and she has had a big public meltdown where she's she's been taking too much drink, doing drugs, whatever. She had a public meltdown. Her career is on the skids, and she's decided she wants to go down to Cornwall and live a quiet life. And uh, but she's more famous than him. And he doesn't know that she's famous. So when he first meets her, he's entirely unaware that she's well-known. Anyway, they fall in love. She teases stuff out of him, you know, and it's like getting blood out of a stone. But eventually, he starts breaking and he starts talking. And once he starts talking, the depression starts lifting, the black dog goes and he's able to get on that stage at Glastow at the end and just blow 80,000 people away. Well, sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's 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 you know, and it's got it's full of the laughs of the first one, lots of songs. <laughs> See me dressed as a fish finger. That's a laugh. Believe me, that was a, that was a costume fitting to die for. I can't tell you. <laughs> Is it fun? Uh, I presume in your career you don't often get the chance to go full West Country. 
Was it fun? This to... is, I try and do it as often as I can. I, I used to, st- I mean, I, I have a weird sort of thing. I, I went to a boarding school, so I was, I was kind of half in the village, half out of the village. You know, if to be accepted in the village, you had to have a kind of certain voice you want to talk in. And so I would end up talking like that towards the end of the summer holidays. And then I'd go back and I'd be talking perfectly posh the next <laughs> minute good. because I was always trying to fit in yeah. one way or the other. Um, I, I, you know, I did a movie called Solomon Kane, which is a big action movie, and he was from the West Country. I like using West Country voice because it's not used very often. And, um, you know, because it's seen as, as yokel and slow and ooh and all that kind of stuff. And obviously people are more complicated and complex than that in the West Country and there's many more shades to them than that silly stereotype that we often put down, uh, put people down for. So I like using it and I've used it a number of times in films and um, and I'm hoping that the more you use it, the more acceptable it becomes and the more people will see people from down there as three-dimensional, complex human beings like we all are. What accent do you use when you go and watch Yeovil? When I go and watch Yeovil, <laughs> I try and shut up. The <laughs> <laughs> best thing to do is listen, you know. I think uh, I'm doing a lot of talking today, but I'm, I'm hoping that the older I get, the more I, I learn how to listen. Uh, Andy wanted a big, this is our big opportunity to talk about Terry Skiverton. Oh, <laughs> the lovely Terry Skiverton, yeah. yeah. Well, he was a great manager. He really was a great manager. And, uh, you know, and he was a lovely, lovely man. And and I certainly know that when, when we got up to the giddy heights of the championship a few years ago, we dropped like a, I mean, like <laughs> a stone. Uh, listen, James, thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate <laughs> Thank you so your much time. for having me. Uh, the movie listening. is Fisherman's Friends 1 and All uh, in cinemas nationwide from the 19th of August. So uh, go and see it. Thanks, James. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. John the Swindon fans, great show, says, uh, thanks so much. He says, I've never thrown a fish. I have thrown a pig's kidney or two. I was working in my first part-time job as a butcher's assistant in William Lowe's supermarket while at school. We were young. It was the late 80s. What else were you meant to do with a few spare kidneys? other than throw them at each other. can be surprisingly painful if you get hit in the face with one, he says, which scored double points in the kidney-throwing official rule book. Kidney-throwing sounds like a sort of sporting event that you and Paul might... Uh, really get your, you know, get True, behind. Yeah. Right, so, uh, thank you, John. What's, what's this one? Though? I once accidentally caught a blowfish. How do you do that? Accidentally. You used accidentally twice in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't yeah, able Just to... to really confirm it was an accident. He didn't want to catch the blowfish. Uh, did you read this one? Because I thought... I haven't yeah. read it out yet, so no, oh, crack Dan on. Dan in Ickenham. Hello, Dan. Uh, I wasn't able to throw it overboard for obvious reasons, so I used a loaf of bread to push it off the side a blowfish is poison. You can't what, pick up a blowfish, is, can yeah. you? But if you have I it was a, only a certain part of the blowfish that was poison. I don't know, but if you have a spare sushi. granary cob, you can use that to, <laughs> to push. <laughs> have you ever thrown a poisonous fish? Have you ever pushed a poisonous fish, poisonous fish off a boat <laughs> with a loaf of bread? <laughs> 8, 10, 89. Who knew I, I we would get excellent? <laughs> you have you? Anyway. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards.
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Uh, good afternoon. You're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rushen in for Paul today. Uh, Andy Jacobs alongside me. Hey, Mark Sanger's Clips of the Week special coming up at half past three. Danny's been in touch, Andy, to say surely any sane person would use a sturdy French stick, you know, a baguette, as your wheat-based product of choice <laughs> to push poisonous sea life. <laughs> I hope it's medium sliced. Yes. Up the posh, he says. Oh, that's a very good point. Um, uh, this is from Matt in Essex, who says, on a shopping trip a few years ago, my mate threw a whole fresh wet salmon in my trolley as a prank. <laughs> <laughs> the, fish, quite good. the fishmonger was pretty peeved when I walked over with it and said, sorry, sir, I, I think this one got away. You want a rich, quite a good line. A rich seam of uh, of. Uh, we content. never thought it would be. Jay we? says myself and a mate caught freshwater eels while fishing. Didn't know what to do with them. We stopped at a local pool and threw them over the fence into the diving pool. It made the local paper a week later. <laughs> <laughs> Mysteriously, eels have found their way into the local also, swimming centre. Thought the uh, eels. Uh, flourished. No, in they don't the thrive in chlorine. chlorine. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, uh, JC, uh, JC says, um, I once went on those boats with a glass floor in an aquarium. Long story short, I had my headphones on the whole time. I didn't listen to the guide. I stuck my hand in the water when they gave us some feed. I felt a sharp pain and ripped my hand out. And in came the fish onto our boat with my bloodied finger. Everyone freaked out. Someone kicked the fish off the boat. I was taken to the Were first... Were fingers still intact? <laughs> well, well, we'll see. I was taken to the first aid room. So I, in fact, did not throw the fish, but merely fished for it with my bare hands. Sorry if not relevant. It wasn't from Billy Bowden, was it? It, it was It was not from Billy Bowden. Is our next guest? Oh, David. Oh, we're to bits here. Wonderful news. It's the time of the show I can sit back and say, Andy, what have you got? I've got this one, which yeah. uh, surprised me. It's quite sad. The oldest ever male giant panda in captivity has died aged oh, 35. May he rest in peace. Anan. He was very famous, this panda. Only 35? Well, that's quite old for a panda. Well, I guess I it is. I just didn't well, know. Don't know what. I presume they were like tortoises and they went on to no, 150, exactly. but they're not. Anyway, every day's a school day. <laughs> exactly. And uh, he was with Chi-Chi, but I always thought that Chi-Chi was the male. Right. And Anan was the woman. I was quite shocked to read that the uh, <laughs> Anan was basically a, a, a man. Right. He had high blood pressure, unfortunately, oh, which is quite guy. serious in a panda, a big, I believe. You need, a big, you need a really big blood pressure machine, don't you, to test the blood pressure of a panda, to get the Velcro cut. And the Velcro can get stuck on the panda fur as well. Everyone thought, welcome to Dragon's Den, Max and Andy's idol, pitching their idea of a, a non-Velcro blood pressure machine for a panda. That's <laughs> a lifestyle business. And that's why I'm, I'm in. I'm out. Um, the hunt for UFOs hmm. has been extended to... Alien craft that do not just fly, Andy, but also travel underwater. U.S. defense chiefs have expanded their probe into 143 unexplained sightings by military personnel to include USOs, unidentified submerged objects. Mm. Are you excited about this? Well, not really. Okay, well, there you go. Well, I'll put that to one side and <laughs> wish, wish me better luck with my next clipping, but over to you. This one, a letter, a sun waste of ink from Jean Norfolk. Hello, Jean. This is brilliant. This is it Jean in Norfolk or, or Jean Norfolk? Jean Norfolk in okay. West York. Oh, okay. Hello, Jean. Uh, it's wonderful to see how women's football has captured the nation. In Wembley's match, as England beat Spain 2-1, yes, we all know that, you don't need to tell us, Georgia Stanway whacked in the winning goal, yeah, we know that too, and had the entire country cheering. Our wonderful, this is the bit that got me, mm. our wonderful lionesses put their male counterparts to shame. You mean the male counterparts that got to the final of the Euros last summer? Brilliant, Gene. Well done. Thank you, Gene. Thank you Honestly, so much. these people are brilliant, aren't they? They can't wait to use something to beat... The men's team with a stick when it doesn't even apply. I mean, it is possible to enjoy both. Isn't it, it is. It possible. is absolutely possible to enjoy both and uh, not continually compare the two mm. and just watch the game and have a nice time and not necessarily just punch down on uh, women's football either, like some people 
who see these chairs <laughs> like to do, don't they? Uh, people are so addicted to social media, Andy, that they can't even visit the toilets without checking their phones. Yes. 60% of us admit to taking our mobiles into the bathroom. Uh, I'm surprised it was only 60%. I think some people lie, don't they? Are you guilty of this? Yes, everybody is. Uh, do you think it should change? The problem uh, here at uh, Talk Sport is that the phones don't work in the toilet. Oh, you notice that? It is terrible. There's no Wi-Fi or 4G or 5G in the loop. Okay. Whether that's a deliberate ploy by management, I'm unable to say. It's it a good stage. idea. We should be better. You know, there were there were there was a time where mm. you'd just have you'd read have a little book by the toilet, wouldn't you? That's a much sort of that's a much. Yeah, it's the same sort of idea. It's I know yeah. doom scrolling on Twitter, but that is true. Whenever you tweet, if you tweet, what are you doing right now? Most of your mm. followers are on the toilet. Victoria Beckham. Hello, yes, hello. Is What's she that? tweeting from the toilet? She's not. No, okay. She's uh, She enjoyed a red Baywatch moment as she sizzles in red in Sardinia. She was wearing a sort of red swimsuit. I've seen Baywatch if Pamela Anderson had lived on lettuce. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> she Ben Mee has signed for Brentford. Good, good sign, isn't it? Uh, good the Guardian's yeah. Will Unwin saying, um, uh, fuming that his headline choice of me's the bee's knees or me's what bees need were both rejected. <laughs> yeah, that's a good headline. Oh, good, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and we got this it's a good message. signing. It's a typical Brentford signing, isn't mm-hmm. it? You wouldn't necessarily think that, you know, look at a Burnley player would come play at Brentford, but, you know, why not? And uh, it's, a, it, you know, he's, he's reliable and they've probably looked at all the numbers and I bet they really add up. Um, uh, Dave got in touch yesterday. We were talking Though about Barcelona after him, so, <laughs> right, so he's unless gonna... he signed, I'd be quite yeah. concerned. Uh, Dave's been in touch. He got in touch yesterday. So we were talking about club rivalries, but I didn't read this out, but it was quite a funny message. And hmm. he said, um, I once played for my Sunday team alongside a massive Rangers fan. One Sunday there was a kit clash. We had to borrow a kit, which turned out to be green and white hoops. Colin refused to wear it. We had no subs. We had to play with ten men with fully fit Colin watching... <laughs> And really? Because he wouldn't wear... He wouldn't put it on his body. God, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, really isn't it? Bonkers. I think a lot of people would There's be... There's a headline that. in the Daily Star today that mm-hmm. shocked me. It's a story we always do every year, but usually in October. Sprout drought at Christmas. Yes, I saw this. I know. Yeah. But they're already predicting it. I mean, they do it every year. It's, it's a brilliant move by the Sprout Marketing Board. You sort of panic and buy extra sprouts because you think... Are you, are you stockpiling sprouts at this stage, Andy, or are you going to see how it pans out? I think I might. <laughs> can you freeze a sprout? <laughs> of course how you long can. can. Can you freeze a sprout for six months? Well, I think you can. I think they'll, I think they'll stay, well, they stay unfrozen. Oh, I think they'll be fine. It's extraordinary. <laughs> the, uh, Do fact- they have sprouts in Australia? <laughs> like, do they have wasps? Yeah. Do they have wasps in France? Well, no, actually, a... no sprouts at all. No, but Christmas <laughs> is slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. it's more barbecue based. Well, you can put sprouts on the barbecue. You can put, you nice. know, it's like sort of grilled sprout. It's quite yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, footballers. Uh, I mean, Britain's tallest footballer. I was going to ask you how tall is he, but we both have this. It's the Daily Star fact of the day. <laughs> it is. So we had a race to see who would get this. <laughs> You've got it. In. I've well won it. Unless you want to, and you could gazump me now with well, this if you want. I haven't oh, thought about it, but you, okay. you, you deliver the. Well, I will deliver the news, everybody. Do you have the breaking news stab, or is it maybe it's not enough? That <laughs> Talksport understands. Talksport understands. My sources are telling me Talksport understands that Britain's <laughs> tallest footballer is six foot nine. Huddersfield Town striker Kyle Hudlin. Uh, yeah. I mean, what does do he we... do pre-match? Uh, oh, it's a good, I don't, is this a joke or is this a fact? Well, think about it. Okay. Think about what do teams do? Well, he does the huddling, doesn't he? Yes, huddle, he does. Huddling, huddling together. It's quite hard for him to huddle, isn't he? He might put his back out. Talking of that, six foot we nine. both came up with the same joke simultaneously the other night watching the England game. What was it? The Caldente. Caldente. Right? Yeah, it was a good one, wasn't it? I've written, how, how, does, how does she like her pasta cooked? And you made some other. I oh, said, look, clever. she's doing everything she's doing is well done, which is ironic, considering her name is Caldente. That's good. Yeah. yeah I uh, Paul, didn't give me, Paul didn't give me a lot of love for that one. He's a harder audience, isn't he? <laughs> He's a completely he? impossible He's an audience. impossible audience. I've been doing this show for him 21 He's years. He's never laughed once. I tell you, I can count them on five, on the really? fingers of one hand, yeah. Five times he's laughed. Yeah. Do you think he laughs when he gets home? He does. Does he? Do he yeah. text you later and go, I should have laughed more at that <laughs> no, one? No, what I've noticed is that he'll he'll laugh at people that he doesn't know. Like somebody come in and say something oh, sort right. of moderately unfunny. Oh, and right. he'll laugh quite generously. Right. In a way that he never does with me. But I don't mind. I'm used to it. 
Sounds like you mind a little bit. No, I don't. It's the sound of silence. <laughs> I love it. Can any of the... Me and uh, Simon you know, and Garfunkel. Can anybody, any, any of our legacy listeners, remember one of the five times that Andy has made Paul laugh? I'd love to hear those. Those gags would be good. Because I, look... I In the early days of the show, I did man, say something Andy. to him about it. Yeah. But then he laughed, sort of over Oh, no, that's too much, no, I thought, well, no, I'd rather you didn't... I'd rather have silence. See, Charlie's a very generous Charlie's host. great. And you can yeah. imagine Barry is really not... Do you have to I really... Know, Barry's impossible. No. Yeah, how you and Barry should do a show, that would be fun. You know, but you have, I mean, look, it pushes you to put, put out your best material, doesn't mm. it? Much like this section. Anyway, hopefully we've filled enough. That was quite a nice time, Andy. <laughs> Hope you did too. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Andy and I have based basically the entire programme on the basis that uh, an Argentinian footballer, Leandro Fernandez, um, uh, was hit in the face by a fish uh, thrown by uh, an opposition fan. He plays at Independiente. Yeah. I made the point that there's not a lot of fish in Buenos Aires. It's true. And he, uh, a Racing Club or Racing Club fan loved to fish at him. Uh, but now uh, Marcelo Mora y Araujo, uh, Argentinian football expert, joins us. And perhaps we have been giving false information out all afternoon. Marcelo, lovely to talk to you. How are you doing? Hello, how are you? Very good, very good. So uh, there, there wasn't a fish, Marcella. Is that what you're trying to tell us? This is a grave disappointment. I'm trying to tell you there was no fish. Oh, no. This fish story is fake news. But there was a, there was something lobbed, and I think that's the real point, right? In, uh, seriously, though. Um, uh, the Independiente Racing Classic, Classico is the derby of the southern cone of Buenos Aires and um, a fan of rushing through a bag of peanuts coated in sugar known as garrapiñada. Right. Mm. And actually I was zooming in on the video to make sure it does look a little bit like a fish because the, the way they roast the peanuts, they put them in these long bags and then they tie a little knot. So as it flew through the air, the little knot appears to be fish-like and flapping. Um, but yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the, the lack of fish. I do think the way things are in Argentina at the moment, if anyone got their hands on a fish, they would eat it, <laughs> however much they hated the, the, the rival player. It's true, because they've got 50% inflation. It's crazy there. Um, these two clubs, everybody knows about the Boca River rivalry, but these two clubs can't stand each other. And I'm right in thinking you know, that the stadiums are virtually next to each other. They're, yeah, not virtually. They're literally so close i don't know if you've ever been to either of them yeah i've been to Andy, Racing, but yeah. it's um yeah it's it's um if you, you get if you go to one or the other you're kind of slightly shocked at how close the other stadium is but when they play each other it really is uh you know one of the biggest biggest clashes that the police have to contend with because they're very close they're two very big teams in terms of fan base um and they're not particularly uh, well-known perhaps outside Argentina, but they're two traditional old teams of the history and with very organised gangs, which in fact a, a lot of clubs now have. I mean, football violence is once again getting quite out of control in Argentina. I think the lobbing of an object on the pitch is like the mildest thing that's happened recently um, for, for, for reasons as spurious as, you know, two teams from the C division in La Plata one that has similar colours to Boca, one that has similar colours to River Art, another kind of feared Classico, and and a young boy of eighteen was was shot dead not not you know not long ago in a clash between those two. So really, it's actually quite a serious mm. and and difficult topic, and I think it is somehow related to levels of unrest and unease in the population generally, and in the police generally, because a lot of the time what seems to emerge over and over is, is the police either being complicit or just uh, unwilling to to investigate and take things further. And I think, you know, it's, it's a cliche to say football mirrors society in a way, but, it, you know, the more, the more unhappiness and unrest and problems there are in society, the more that people seem to be taking it out in football as well. Um, so although it's kind of funny to think that someone had a fish thrown at their face, it, it's actually a, a not a fish and b not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. The the two giants of Argentine football, uh, Boca and River, are really struggling this season, aren't they? It's not going well. 
it doesn't seem to be going that well yeah, at the moment. No, um, I mean it's interesting because Rivers done had such a good uh, run, and they're and they're they're at, at peak. I would say since they were relegated a few years ago, well, quite, ten years ago, they've just gone from strength to strength and. Well, they've got young Julian Alvarez emerging, you know, now gracing our shores. And Gallardo, the manager, who is the darling of, of local football. But they, yes, I guess all good things come to an end. Boca, on the other hand, which is, of course, my club, not not an impartial journalist, me, <laughs> have Riquelme um, running the show from as a kind of, you know, pseudo-president, which is really interesting, I think. He's garnered a lot of enemies, but I suspect with time he might he might do something interesting because he is one of those football characters that has a lot of personality and ideas and you know he he's not loved by everybody. I remember saying once he's like Marmite. You either love him or hate him, but but he is interesting, I think. And again, if you if you think of football socially, he is a really great story. Someone who came from nothing, became quite well-known, then became quite moody, um, you know, refused to play World Cups on a couple of occasions, did really well at club level, and, and then got into the kind of politics of, of club football in Argentina, which is quite complicated and interesting. So I wouldn't write either one of them off, but it's always nice when it's an open tournament and other teams get a look in. And Carlos Tevez, of course, who is another... Uh, great character who's who's played in England a lot, has taken on a role as manager and yesterday won the biggest, biggest Classico derby outside Buenos Aires, which is Rosario against Newell. So uh, keep an eye on him, I would say. And and let's let's just turn away from Buenos Aires for a little bit and look at the football going on elsewhere in the country because we never do. Uh, Marcelo, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's devastating news that you, as you rightly say, it's quite serious, but also has ruined all the fish-based stories that we've done for the last two hours. I don't wonder why, where that emerged from. It's really, it's really good to do a little bit of investigative journalism. Yes, it's true. I mean, it does. It does. The papers. It does really look like a fish. You're right, but when you stare at that picture again, it could be a plastic bag with a little knot tied. At the top, yeah, some sugary peanuts Absolutely inside. Right. I mean, have you ever thrown a peanut? It's not as good a not as good a text subject, Marcelo. <laughs> ruined the show. But look. <laughs> so I'd like to see Nigel Botherway do three hours on. <laughs> yeah. sugar someone says, John says Argentinian footballer fish a fake hand of cod. Yes, thank you, John. Um, uh, cheers, Marcelo. Thanks <laughs> for coming on. Thank you, uh, Marcelo Mora y Araujo, there, Argentinian football expert. So yeah, what, what, are, what do we do for the next hour, Andy? We can't do. We can't do that. Well, we? No, we've got, we don't need it. We've got, we don't so, need it. We don't need Martin anything. Martin Kellner. No, we don't. Don't we? No. Is Martin not around? No, it? not on. Oh, that's a pity. There we are. Flake uh, ended up being oh. a bit of a red herring. Yes, thank you so much. Just fake yeah. hate news. Uh, it never stops. Thank hake you to everyone who's, thanks to everyone who's yelling at me after uh, what I said about the uh, live tour. Well, you do and, uh, bring it on uh, yourself. I bring it on myself. But, you know, uh, if you care about something, it's good to be open and honest about it. Uh, we welcome all opinions here, of course. <laughs> I, I see the man saying, this Max Russian. Hate this Max Russian. Uh, he says, the same fellow will be very happy to report daily from Qatar about how good the hospitality is etc that's not true Northumbrian Graham for an absolute (laughs) categoric fact I'll send you some articles I've written about Qatar and I'm not going thank you and goodbye Graham have a lovely afternoon the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast as always on a Friday uh, Mike Ward joins us to review the non-sporting TV over the weekend the Daily Stars TV reviewer and Brighton fan how you doing Mike I'm not too bad thank you it's good good to have you on I mean I can just see on this piece of paper right at the end it's the Neighbours finale are you going to talk about that next next Friday well let's leave it till next Friday because you know let's not give anything away oh it's going to be on 9 o'clock at night 9 o'clock at night it's, it's the yeah yeah, double wow. double bill to sort of round off thirty seven years oh, of. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, I must admit, I've, I mean, I watched it religiously, and there was a time I watched it twice a day in my yeah. student days. But what, I, the same I, episode? Yeah, or? absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. watch one thirty because you miss it. bits. Yeah, otherwise, don't yeah, you? we have to watch it twice to really understand. I think it's a massive on. error by Channel Five. I do. I do. I think they've made a, a real mistake here with this. But there you go. They, yeah, they. 
messed up family affairs as well, didn't they? That, remember family affairs? Oh, do I remember fam- vague? I mean, not enough to tell you no, anything that happened. Sure. But uh, you know, I don't think you're. <laughs> so that's about, not very much I, at all. I don't think. I don't think you should even be mentioning family affairs in the or same El, El Dorado with neighbours. Frankly, that is no, TV no, no, gold. No, is no, neighbours. I appreciate that. Anyway, let's talk about uh, trying season three uh, on Apple TV from today. Yeah, this is. Uh, I love this. This is a sort of um, uh, say a comedy, but with a sort of a sort of kind of heartwarming touch that normally makes you sound sort of sickly sweet and horrible but it's about a young couple played by Ray Spall and Esther Smith who've been trying to um, adopt basically and uh, at the end of season two they finally thought they'd got their family they got one adopted child and one that they were kind of temporarily looking after and we picked up the story with them hoping that these two can be their family on a permanent basis but encountering all sorts of issues because adopting is a very complex and uh, um, emotional uh, issue um and, do and they deal they, with that very sensitively. They do it really yeah. sensitively. It's it's a really close. I mean, they come across the, the, the chemistry on screen as a couple is fantastic, and it's one of those things that it works on so many levels because you really care about it, and it's very emotional. But it's not. It's not. It doesn't sort of treat it in irreverently in the in the worst sense. It just you know makes you care, but makes it not too cloying at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's got uh, Phil Davis plays uh, Race Ball's character's dad who's brilliantly sort of cantankerous and cranky, so I really identify with him. There's quite a few. There's a couple of really good family comedies on as well. Breeders is excellent. Yeah, we see Breeders we talked about, didn't we? This is almost like the anti-Breeders, because we've got a couple there who've obviously got two kids, a boy and a girl, and it's all very tense and sweary, you know, and the whole thing, the humour is based on the fact that Martin Freeman's character in that has such a short fuse. Ray Spall's character in this one is so kind of laid back and oh, whatever will be, will be. He could hardly be more different. But, uh, but I, I love them both. They both work really well. And they're two things that I have watched all the way through, which I hardly ever do with yeah. anything these and, days. And avoidance I like with that, Romish. I think that's good Yes, too. that's good too. Yeah. And, and Motherland as well, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, as well. yeah, good stuff. Uh, Only Fools and Horses, Secrets and Scandals. Yeah, yeah Secrets and Scandals. This is a series they have on Channel 5 um, every, every so often. It's very rarely secrets, it's very rarely scandals, but it's a very good Channel 5 thing where they get loads of talking heads together and they sort of get a few old clips and they build it around something that's nice and nostalgic for people who don't want to go out uh, like me. Only falls, I mean, I, I must admit there's certain things, because I, I, I like the show, but I'm not an expert on it. Certain things I didn't know. I didn't know, for example, that Jim Broadbent was considered for the Del Boy role originally hmm. before uh, David. Is that common knowledge? I hadn't realised I didn't know that. that. Um, there you no, go, it's not I just me. And also the fact that it was very nearly cancelled after two series because... It was only because of a, a, um, a BBC strike that they repeated the second series, which included the famous chandelier scene, and uh, that was the one that sort of suddenly clicked with with the viewing public, and that's when things started to pick up. So, you know, as of, as of the case, a lot in those days, things were given time to grow and breathe, which perhaps in this you know in yeah, this era they wouldn't be. I caught out a couple. There were the, one of the comedy channels was showing them this week. It's it does actually last. I mean, it's pretty classic. Yeah, it does. You know, it yeah. doesn't really date, so that's good. Um, what do we go? Should we have a look at Joe Lycett on Saturday? Summer exhibitionist. Well, yeah. Did you try? Did you try? I, I, know, I don't know much about the Royal Academy. I have tried. It's very difficult to have get you? in. Have you? Yeah, it's yeah. very difficult. The six, uh, apparently, I mean, Joe, Joe Lycett is, you know, he has a great interest in this. And he's basically sort of meeting some of the people who uh, you know, hoping to get their um, uh, entries um, accepted. Uh, it says 15,000 15, works were submitted this year. Only 900 will end up in the final show. And there's somebody who's been rejected for goodness knows how many years, and her work is actually called Rejection. So if that doesn't <laughs> swear, <laughs> swear, I don't know what Yeah, does. I mean, look, there's so many they have to look at that it is a bit of a bum fight. As, as an exhibition, I mean, it's great that it happens, right? To yeah, give, yeah. Certainly give amateur artists a, a real chance to, yeah. you know, get something in the, the Royal Academy. But sometimes it's... Sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's just a you know it's very hit and miss as exhibitions go. I suppose the you know the trouble is, as you say, because there's no necessary not necessarily rhyme or reason to these things. Sometimes it's just the way the way things land. You you know, people might get despondent for no reason. Because he was he appeared on Grace and Perry's Art Club and a brilliant show, and he's great as well, Joe Lysett as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is absolutely. Okay, Um, Uh, Alan Carr's epic game show. I'm delighted about this. I think he is so brilliant. 
I absolutely love watching We're being that. very nice about everyone today, aren't we? Um, really? well, yeah. quite, you know, I like telly. He <laughs> likes people. He's yeah. a very nice man. I'm a man. nice person. Oh, you know, I've never made a TV review. <laughs> he doesn't person. like despots. No, I don't, I don't like despots and I oh. like Alan Carr. And actually, I was thinking about the apocalypse and, you know, I, That's think, one I does. think Mark Strong might be the voice of the apocalypse. You know, when, when we yes. finally hear that the nuclear warhead will hear, it'll be Mark think Strong's so? voice. And, um, and I would like it to be Alan Carr's. I just think if we're all going to go down in flames, it'd be great if Alan Carr said, I'm terribly sorry but I've got some <laughs> bad news for everybody you know it'll ping into your phone you wherever you are you'll be in Australia well I might be but you know that's, 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 it could happen anywhere couldn't it I, but well it probably will happen everywhere to mm, be honest that's true that's what, the thing with what's, apocalypses um, what's the epic game show that he's, <laughs> he's, he's doing he's the thing with apocalypses you're right Mike <laughs> yeah. he's um, doing, he doing? Uh, Strike It Lucky didn't was it Strike It Lucky and Strike It Rich the same thing yeah I think so which yeah. was which or were they basically I think it was Michael Barrymore's show wasn't it Michael no, it was Michael Barrymore's I think mm. it started off as Strike It Lucky and then became Strike It Rich oh, it's top middle of bottom the thing with it? that show though, with matter? Michael Barrymore it just wasn't about the, the, get, no, the mechanic of the game it was all it was about him, him mm. it was him and the the guests not the guests the contestants and yeah. Alan Carr is better than him so it will be better oh, I don't know about that in his heyday yeah, you, 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 okay. you, leaving aside all your prejudices oh, yeah. that you've got, he was a brilliant performer. <laughs> Hang on a second. Well, you, you all right, okay. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. Let's, not go, let's not, say, not go down that. No, no, no. But you know, you, he was a, he was brilliant in that show. I think it would be he was. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And he, you know, I've I've you know I've spoken to modern comics who actually say you know, as you say, leaving aside all the other stuff, he 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 was as a performer. In his heyday, uh, second to none. You know? Now, on Sunday on Channel 4, Paul Hollywood Eats Mexico. And I got vaguely addicted to Paul Hollywood Eats Japan, mainly because at the start of the series, he didn't seem to want to be there at all. <laughs> and, and by the end, I think somebody handed him, at one point they handed him a strawberry that cost £500, yeah. pounds and he got very excited. But by the end, he'd sort of come around to the idea that he was meant to be excited about eating Japan. The food I, in Japan is wonderful. Yeah, I bet it is. I do like the idea of people sort of reluctantly going on these travel mm. things, you know, sort of Carl Pilkington style almost, you know, rather than actually sort of, you know, being... It don't have to be sort of negative and critical, but you're sort of neutral. I think neutral, you know, when you you turn up at a place rather Mm. than sort of singing its praises. Yeah, Paul Hollywood Eats Mexico, so it's the third series of that. The Origins of Chocolate. He right. also oh, yeah. visits the most dangerous, extraordinary and dangerous firework festival on Earth. Right. Okay. So there you go. Uh, last week he was eating insects. I don't know if you got to see that or not. I saw a bit of that, yeah. Yeah, is that enough? I'm not mad because I wouldn't watch it because I don't really like Mexican food. It's a bit, it's a bit of a mush, What's wrong with it? Is it it's, it's a bit refried. A bit of a it's quite a lot of it is refried. <laughs> yeah. I All think right. I'm with you a bit on that, Andy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's quite comforting though a good chilli con carne tell you the most watched thing next week we all know what the most watched thing is going to be next week mm. which will be the semi-finals yeah. of the Euros the it will Euros. by an absolute mile yep. and be absolutely fine uh, are you worried about how much do you want for your left back <laughs> 50 million not technically mine um, 50, 50 million uh, he's good isn't he I can't work out how good he is oh he's let's very up, good let's up it shall we let's go let's, let's be silly let's, let's double that Okay. Yeah, I hope the football's going to coincide with Bake Off the Professionals, the final. That's a bit. Well, annoying. they're both nail biting in their they own are. way, they aren't are. they? Uh, but in, in the thing is with um, Bake Off the Professionals, they're having to produce a patisserie uh, window full of uh, four different batches of beautiful finger tarts, and then uh, create a grueling. Ch- oh, I can't be bothered to read all this. To be perfect. <laughs> I love Cherish. She's my favourite. <laughs> One You're doing this against people. your will. You're the Paul Hollywood <laughs> of this show, Mike. Oh, yeah. I can't be bothered to read this guff. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I wish you'd put more into it, Mike. That's Sorry. Cherish, yes, that's it's what brilliant. Cherish would say. It, yes, yes, Cherish would, would, indeed, would indeed say that. I've seen our, uh, our, our new home kit, by the way. We talked about our Crimson oh, yes. Away kit. Our new, I don't like it. Oh, no, what's wrong? If they're listening... sorry. Well, it is blue and white, but just, I mean, just blue and white stripes. Can't you just have blue and white stripes? Why do you have to have slightly fatter blue stripes and then a bit of a yellow in the middle of the blue? And, yes, and I agree with you. Fiddly fussy. Oh, more right. fiddly it is, the more nervous it that, makes me. Yeah, no, it's not, football's not as good as it used to be, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> uh, anyway, cheers, it is Mike. for us. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. It really yeah. is for you. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Mike, as always. Cheers, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. That was the best of the H&J Daily. Um, uh, if it's not gone 10am on Saturday morning, you can listen to me and Andy again. Um, uh, but if you don't, that's fine. You have free will. <laughs> you may listen to whatever you like. And uh, Paul and Andy back on Monday. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.